This episode of the podcast is brought to you by, 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 I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Frank. I'm so sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll Credits Podcast, the only podcast that died off screen. I'm Frank. I'm Zach. I died on screen. (laughs) (laughs) And today we are doing on-screen deaths versus off-screen deaths. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that there's an interesting conversation that can be had here. Mm -hmm. And I think that when a filmmaker is making a movie and a character does die, they kind of have an ultimatum. Yeah. Do I show the death or do I not show the death? Mm -hmm. And I think that there's an interesting topic of can a a death be off screen and still have the same impact as a death that happens on screen? I think so. I think the the majority of people would say like, oh, showing the death is going to have way more of an impact. But I think you can do an off screen death that has weight to it. Yeah. And I think it can enhance a character. I think it can enhance a story. And there's definitely something there that, like, more people should take that risk of being like, hey, let's let's not show it and see what happens. Yeah. I think, I think we could do that. <laughs> because there are movies where you can, where, like, the, off, the off-screen death happens mm-hmm. and you never get to see the body. It's more of, like, hearsay. Like, characters are just talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. And then... It's like, oh, he died or whatever. Yeah. Or then there's, of course, like the epic glorification of a death. Mm -hmm. Think kind of what I mentioned in like the the episode of like most impactful deaths Mm -hmm. of like Leonidas. Like that is just a death. That is like the death of deaths. You know, like (laughs) it's so in your face and it's emotional. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know, man. I, I was like thinking about movies that I really enjoyed and movies that have character deaths in them. And I actually think that the off screen deaths, the ones that I specifically chose, might be like the ones that hurt the most. Because hmm. I chose ones that it's like they they kind of enhance the story with it. Um, yeah, so the, I, I also agree with that. Like there there's one there's one one of mine, one of my off screen deaths. I think really kind of enhance like mm-hmm. what is going on. Um, and then there's another off screen death that is, I, so I literally have four and okay. that is two on screen and two off screen. Mm, that's, that's And like, I kind of wrote them to be um, kind of like, this is my on screen death. And then here's my opposite of that. Yeah. Um, so that's how I did it. Um, so I, I kind of just like looked up one. So I have, <laughs> I have uh, weird. I actually have three off screen and three on screen. Okay, so why don't you start us off? Okay, so I don't know how you want to do this, like on screen and off screen. Yeah, or that's just fine. Fuck, all right, fuck it then. We're we're gonna do this. So I think there's an interesting way where when you do an off screen death, um, you kind of have to be a little careful with it. Oh yeah. Like you you don't want to confuse the audience. Right. And we've talked about this movie countless times. Um. This is, again, we've talked about it. it. It's technically a perfect film, 
But the when you brought up like on screen versus off screen, I always think about No Country for Old Men. No, oh. <laughs> no, actually, um, <laughs> I thought that's where we were going. <laughs> no, um, Will Powder, Will Pewter, mm-hmm. um, his death in Midsommar. Will Pul- Poulter, I Poulter. think is his name. Yeah, yeah, Will Poulter. Yeah, I always think about his character's death in Midsommar because it's like his character literally is kind of like this douchey fucking college kid and like he pisses on the fucking <laughs> yeah he pisses on the tree that like yeah. apparently is religious and then like he goes and like goes off with the girl during the lunch and then he just never returns you, you never see him again until like the other character goes in to try and look at the book and there's one of the cult members wearing his face yeah beating him in and then that's like where it's like okay that that gives you the idea that like okay he was killed like right. that's that's literally it. Like you didn't see anything, you didn't hear anything, and I think a lot of people were confused by that scene because they were like, "Oh, like where did this happen? Like why why didn't we get to see it?" Right. And I feel like you kind of don't need to in this situation. Like, yeah, he was kind of like a side character. You don't get a lot of deaths shown really, like yeah. in Midsommar, but it's always the one where it's like it's subtle enough that like you get it. Like he, this is a cult. This is like a religious murder camp, basically. Yeah. Um, and it was a, a clever way to be like, you know, you don't need to see what happened because you're not going to see everything. You're going right. to there's going to be mystery throughout the entirety of this place. Yeah. So that one always like stuck with me. And well, was also like because I think something else that kind of works with it is because of the simple fact that they're constantly like drugged up yeah and confused and they don't know what the hell is going on so killing him off screen and kind of leaving the audience almost just as confused as your characters yes that's where i think ari aster is better than your typical filmmaker yes and that's where it's like there's a lot of moving pieces to Midsommar. Yeah. And that's why I keep saying it's technically perfect. Because it's like... <laughs> but I like, still don't really like I, it that I much. Fucking, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I kind of like it at this point. But, like, I'll defend it at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, <laughs> it, I, it's still not my favorite thing. Yeah. Um. So that's my off-screen one. Yeah. Uh, My on-screen one was the big blowout shootout of Tony Montana. That's one of mine. Ah, perfect. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Like literally getting like a full firefight and watching this man almost at this point being like, "Oh, he can take down the entirety of like the men sent to kill him." Yeah. Um and then being shot enough where it's like he falls down into the fountain and he's just face down in it and it slowly pans up. Yeah. Like it's it's just a it is kind of like this glorified way of doing the on-screen death. Oh, like yes. you were talking it, about. Like exactly. It is, That's it is like the, the glorification blow-up. death. That is the one where it is just in your face. Mm-hmm. Your fucking your lead character is just out of his mind. He's coked up. He was probably dead, you know, well before that final shot. Yeah. But he was so coked up that his brain didn't even know that he was dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> so like his, he's just like a marionette at that point, just a puppet. Um, and it's, but it's, it's, I rewatched it, man. It's executed so well. Mm -hmm. Brian De Palma, man. Yeah. Incredible. (laughs) And he is just so out of his fucking mind in that movie. And it's like, he's for a brief moment. You, you think that he is almost going to do it. Like, yeah, fucking make it out. And and like, he's almost like 
impenetrable. Mm-hmm. Like he cannot be stopped. And the only way that he could be stopped was by like an army essentially. Mm-hmm. And you have this one guy who fucking comes up who essentially looks like the Terminator. Yeah. And, and <laughs> hits him, yeah, and hits him with the double bow shotgun in the back. And I think that there's something to be said about that too, where mm-hmm. it's like he was shot in the back and that's what killed him. Not, not, while he's not like while he's mm-hmm. looking at all of all of his aggressors. Yeah. Right. Like the man who killed him was the man that he didn't see. Mm-hmm. And it's like he didn't see him coming. Right. And like, you know, like that's the only way that he could have been killed, mm-hmm. because if he was looking at you, you were the one who was going to fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> like It's just and but it's just him losing his mind mm-hmm. and screaming and just again, like when he falls into the fountain, like out of all the things like him Mm -hmm. falling into just a giant fountain. It is this very kind of like, I guess you would say like a trope at this point, but like at the time, like it was so like kind of memorable of like him falling into the fountain. Yeah. It's being kind of like washed away of his sins. Now now that he's dead. (laughs) Yeah. It's incredible, man. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's really, really great. It's, it is kind of like the most iconic in my opinion, like death. Yeah. In a film, like, when you look up like best movie deaths, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's got to oh, be like yeah. all the time at the top five, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's probably like one of the most, you know, say hello to my little friend. It's mm-hmm. just like one of the most quoted things. It's just iconic in every single way. Yeah, it's a um, great one. This does transition well into your off-screen one, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so my off-screen one is, I will say, is from no country from old men yeah but it's gotta, not gotta. it's not mm. josh brolin really yeah hmm. it is woody harrelson's character oh yeah which yeah. is um Car- what's his name carl i think his name is yeah it was in like the film it was like carson carson mm-hmm. so his death is interesting so i actually i i technically have two because they're both in this movie mm-hmm. um and then i have my other one but um carson's death is interesting to me and and that is he's Technically out of screen, yeah. But he's you see his hand, mm-hmm. and you have fucking Anton Sugar sitting there, mm-hmm. uh, like you know, um, just and they're having a conversation, and he's talking to him about essentially like, you know, Woody Harrelson's just like you don't have to do this, yeah, and 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 it's like man, he's made up his fucking mind yeah. twenty minutes ago. Exactly, like, like it's, uh, it's it's the same thing of like you've inconvenienced him at this yeah. point. He's gonna kill you just for that. Yeah, I I really love the fact too because it's like you get that character of like Carlson where before all of this, like he kind of seems where it's like he's also hunting Josh Brolin's character, like right. he is capable bounty hunter, and then it gets to the point where he meets Antoine Sugar, and then it's like. He got the, got the whole mood. <laughs> the whole mood of him changes. Like he just becomes scared at yeah, that point. Exactly. Like he understands that, like, oh, he's gonna right, die. Exactly. And the and I really just want to highlight the framing of of like what the fucking um the Cohen brothers can do because mm-hmm. it's really smart. The way that they did it, man, like you you have Anton sit down on the chair yes. and he's got the shotgun in his hand with the giant silencer and it's just facing Carson. Mm-hmm. And then when they're having their conversation, it's like these medium close-up shots and the shotgun is not in frame anymore. And it's just like them kind of like chest up talking to one another. Mm -hmm. And then when you realize that Anton has made his decision and Carson realizes that he's going to die, Mm -hmm. 
he they they frame back out and it's just him sitting there with a shotgun again. It's like okay, that shotgun was now was no longer in the scene. The like the threat yeah. is 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 now kind of at a little bit of a minimum. And then when they frame back out and like the shotgun is then introduced back into the scene, the threat is back up. Yeah. And the phone ringing and kind of startling Carson mm-hmm. very briefly and and Anton never breaking eye contact mm-hmm. with him and kind of giving him a smile because he realizes that like that phone call was kind of all he needed to pull the trigger yeah. because it gave him like one last scare. Like he needed to see the fear <laughs> in Carson, right? Mm-hmm. And the phone rings and then fucking Anton just pulls a trigger one time and you don't see him die, mm-hmm. but you know that he's dead. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's an iconic fucking Coen Brothers moment. Yeah. And I think that it's great. And then that leads into what uh, the uh, Josh, Josh Brolin's daughter's um, name, Carla Jean. Mm-hmm. Similar setup as Carson sitting. She walks into the room. He's sitting on the couch in her house and she literally says, you don't have to do this. And he goes, they always say this. Mm-hmm. And he goes, she's like, what do they, what do they say? And she's, he's like, they always say you don't have to do this. And this is literally the conversation that he had yes. with Carson, you know, moments earlier. And again, you don't see the death. Mm-hmm. They have their little conversation and then. You don't hear anything. He just walks out from the house. He looks at his shoes, mm-hmm. looks at the bottom of his shoes, and then walks out to the boys riding their bikes. Yep. And then he gets hit by a car. It's, yeah. <laughs> iconic, man. Mm-hmm. Fucking iconic. And although the glor- like that glorification death is also iconic, I think the way that Anton Sugar, Sugar is like presented in the movie, it makes those deaths super iconic as well well yeah and we brought this up like in the episode where it really feels like he is a terminator-esque man like he can't be killed like right even getting hit by a fucking car yeah he's still he, walking he's away still, from it yeah he just wraps up his arm and walks away yeah <laughs> even getting shot like he just fucking comes back blows up a car and then buys pharmaceutical products to stitch yeah. it all back together yeah like he's not a man he, right he's, he's similar to like a michael myers where it's just yeah. like it's like he is evil. Like, yeah, he's, he's a natural disaster <laughs> in human form. Yeah. <laughs> he's iconic. He's one of the best characters ever. Mm-hmm. I'm very um, surprised that you didn't pick the Josh Brolin. Death. I mean, I, I again, the Josh Brolin one also has its merits, but I mean, I wanted to do, I wanted to do like, mm-hmm. I wanted to be a little different. <laughs> okay, then. So I thought that that was a good choice. All right. So I'm going to go into my, my off-screen one first. Okay. Um, And I think... It's very impactful, at least to me, where it's the first instance where it's like you understand what this man is capable of. And to me, that was um, Hannibal Lecter killing the guard in Silence of the Lamb. Yeah. So the entire movie up until this point, you are told how evil Hannibal is. You are told like what a monster he is. You're told like how vicious he is, like, killing people and then eating them. Right. But you never see anything. You get this very docile man, this very intelligent man, just speaking and cooperating with solving this case. And then you get one guard fucking up and getting inside of his cage. Yep. And literally at that point, you do get to see him, like, bite him in the neck. Right. But then as soon as he pushes him back and he steals the nightstick, and then it's just this classical music just slow pan in on Hannibal's face as he's 
beating the shit out of the, <laughs> the guard and more and more blood is like spilling on him and his smile is getting bigger yeah and it was just this really iconic scene to me where it's like this is what you can do with an off-screen death like this is how you can make a character that can win an oscar yeah like it, it's so perfect because like you literally see firsthand what this man is capable of after kind of doubting yourself throughout the entire film of like you know yeah. what maybe Hannibal's not all that bad <laughs> maybe he killed and ate these people in self-defense <laughs> I don't know I wasn't there <laughs> Did we, we haven't done Sons of the Lambs no we right? have this not podcast. man no, really there's, there's, there's maybe, a lot of like classics yeah maybe we'll do it for Halloween there's it's a lot so of good. classics that we still haven't gotten to do yeah um and, and then, then, he, then when he's wearing the guy's face, oh, and then he's in the ambulance, oh my god, yeah. it's so good! <laughs> it's such a good it's film. It's so good. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do Red Dragon though. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, funny enough, my on-screen death that I was like going back and forth, and now that you've watched it, you can say it too. Um, Mufasa's death in Lion King. Mm. Man, for a fucking kids movie in like what did it came came out in like the eighties, nineties, nineties, I think. Um, yeah, I think it came out in like '93. I'm not, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I knew it was around like the time that we were born, but um, yeah, that, that's heavy for a fucking kids movie. Yeah. Like literally, Mufasa like grabbing, trying to like get back up, and Scar coming and long live the king, and just flinging his arms back. Yeah, and then watching him fall into the buffalo or the the herd of the, like um the running uh, what are they water buffaloes i don't know whatever something, they are yeah. maybe something weird like that <laughs> something from wherever they are yeah the stampede yes um and then kind of getting to see a little bit like you know you you i think you see like oh uh, no paw. he falls in there and like you well yeah you get to see him fall in there and like that's enough yeah and i think you see the like, paw like fall yeah, down and yeah, like yeah. that's that's enough where it's like man that can traumatize some kids <laughs> nowadays <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's like I mean, when I watched it for the first time a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, everybody else in the room fucking watched it a hundred times, and for you, it was like, oh my god. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I knew it was, ha- I knew it was mm-hmm. gonna happen, and like, I, I, again, I've, I knew of the movie, and I knew like bits and pieces of the film, so I, I understood that that was gonna happen. But all these people who watched it, you know, they've seen it a bunch. Not a not a dry eye in the fucking room. <laughs> it's like they know it's gonna happen, mm-hmm. and it's it's an impactful death, man. It's good. It is. It really is. It's it's a it's a heavy one. Um, okay, I wanted to, I wanted to highlight a death that I don't think is, is it is an on-screen death, but mm-hmm. I don't think that it's the glorification of a death like a Tony Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a on-screen death that means something, mm-hmm. and that is when uh, Calvin Candy gets shot mm. in Django Unchained, mm-hmm. because Calvin Candy is a scumbag. Yeah, he is. And he wins. At mm-hmm. the end of this fucking movie, he wins, mm-hmm. right? The whole the whole time you are running around with Schultz and Django and it's like they are going to trick him and they are going to get Django's wife out of here completely unbeknownst to him that like, you know, that that that's Django's wife and they are going with this plan of wanting to buy another slave and then kind of just throwing her in as like an extra. And in reality, she's the real one that they want. Right. And Calvin finds out and Calvin wins. Mm -hmm. He essentially says, if you want her, then you have to pay the top dollar price. Yep. And at the end of the movie, when everything is said and done, the papers have been signed. She is technically now a free woman. Mm hmm. 
he says, you have to shake my hand <laughs> and it's not done until you do it. Mm-hmm. And he's like trying to add an insult to an injury, right? He's like, run, he's like rubbing salt on the wound. Mm-hmm. And when Schultz has the taxi driver style, yes. uh, <laughs> it's very cool. Like the fucking, the spring loaded, yeah, the spring loaded pistol in the, in the, in the upper arm sleeve and shoots him. The look on his face mm-hmm. when he realizes he's been shot. Yes. And it's like... Where he looks down and he's yeah. like, are you fucking kidding yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he gets shot and then he falls. And in my opinion, is a metaphor when he falls into the bookcases. Mm-hmm. Because there's that great conversation that they have about you name one of your slaves after the Three Musketeers character. And he's like, oh, what? He's like, you know, I, I don't think I, I wonder what he would think about like your treatment of these people. And he goes, oh, what is he like a stuck up Frenchman? And he goes, no, he was black. Mm-hmm. And then he and then he gets shot and dies. And then he falls into the bookcases and all the books fall on mm-hmm. top of him. It's like kind of poetic justice. Yeah, exactly. It's it's perfect. Yeah. I just love the fact that like Schultz knew that he lost and he was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to I'm going to win the only right. way that I can. Right. And then that leads into the next death, mm-hmm. which is Schultz getting killed. Yes. And sad. It's so sad. Right. Because, again, not a not a glorif like not a really like a glorification death, mm-hmm. a death that hits you strongly because a he gets fucking blown up like <laughs> that shotgun throws his mm-hmm. ass back. And it's not even like a. Like you pan back to him or anything, and he's still kind of like breathing and no, trying to no, like no, shoot no. again. That's just he it. also gets thrown into the bookshelf. Yes, <laughs> but like he that's flies. Just, yeah, yeah, that's just it. Like yeah. that's done. And then and then and then that's it. Right, he's gone. And it's just you've been with these guys for so long, and they have such a good plan, and they're both good people, kind of doing bad things, but for again for like the right reason. Mm-hmm. And and then he gets killed, and it's like. God damn it! Like you, you just just give it to me. Yeah. Like I need it. I need <laughs> give it to, to me straight, Doc. Is I, he gonna make it? <laughs> <laughs> I needed him to survive. Um, and but he doesn't. And it's just it's just a really really great iconic death. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my uh, my off screen death, one that I don't know if you've actually ever seen this movie. Um, I I feel like you may, you may have. Um, but that is. The death of, I believe the character's name is Chris. Let me just confirm that. Yeah, Chris mm-hmm. in uh, Stand By Me. You ever see Stand By Me? I've seen bits and pieces. <laughs> that means no. <laughs> I know um, about the fucking body that they find. Right. So it's a it's a film by Rob Reiner. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, it was I a love, Stephen King book, though. I love Rob Reiner. Yeah, well, it, it is a Stephen uh, King novel. And there is the death of Chris. And the death of Chris is really, really fucking shitty mm-hmm. because you're with these kids. They go, the whole point of the film is them trying to go find a dead body. They find the dead body and then they're like, wow, that's a fucking dead body. Mm-hmm. And then they leave and you're, and it's like, this is them. This is their summer, right? This is like their summer vacation before, you know, going into the next school year. It's, it's such a moment that all of us can relate to. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of have their, like a classic goodbye moment, right? Like, Oh, the end where it's like, they kind of divide up. Right. Like like... they're all in the center and they all kind of say their goodbyes to Mm -hmm. one another. And it's kind of a moment that we've all had in our lives, right? Where it's like the end of summer is here. We are all whatever, 
10, 14 years old, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And we are going to see each other when we see each other now. School starting, you know, it's just the summer is now coming to an end. And the way that Chris leaves is this to me is the most in like impactful and and the best kind of death in the in in on my list mm-hmm. because of how it's just executed and um you have uh, what's his name narrating it um fucking i can't think of his name Morgan Freeman no no <laughs> uh oh man i can't think of his name he's like the narrator of the film whatever whatever whoever the narrator of the film is he is talking um, and Chris, like he says goodbye to him because they're again, they're kids. And now it's like 30 years later mm-hmm. and he's narrating like what kind of happened to everybody. And Chris is walking away and kind of like giving him like a wave goodbye. And the narrator then says like a week ago, I found out that Chris was uh, in a uh, grocery store, like in a, in a convenience store standing in line and two guys got into an argument. Mm-hmm. And they pulled out knives on another, on one another. And Chris being the kind of guy that he was tried to like stop it and try to get in the middle. And he got stabbed in the throat and he died. Mm. And as you're watching the childhood, Chris, because yes. now at this point, Chris is like 40 years old, mm-hmm. but you're watching the childhood. Chris walk away. They don't let him exit the screen. Mm. Like he, he dis he literally just like disappears mm. So it's like he's he dies and the movie just eliminates him. Like he doesn't even get a walk off where he like walks out yeah. of frame. It's like, like everybody else. He does. just is no longer alive. Mm. He's gone and he just disappears and he vanishes. And then it cuts to um, the the guy who's like writing this. The whole movie is like a guy like mm-hmm. kind of writing a book and it cuts to like him um, writing the rest of the sentence out of like how Chris was. And he's basically like, I don't think I'm ever going to like have friends like I had during that summer. And the narration stops and then you're just reading it on a computer screen. Mm. And it's just, it's perfect editing and it's so sad. And I think that it might be one of the greatest off screen deaths ever. In my opinion, it's a very sad one because it's so different. You're told through a narration of a of, of a kid's death 30 years later mm-hmm. and you just spent the whole summer with him. It's just I don't know, man. There's something about it that always hits. Mm. It's uh, it's it's a, it's a it's a shitty one. Every time that I like I see it, too, I'm like, man, I should watch this movie. It's and then a I'm great like, film. But it really is. Was it like three hours long? No, I think? God, no. no. <laughs> I swore it was. I, no, I think it's just like a regular like 90 minute movie. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I because I do know like that part of it. Like I know about the body and then I know that there's like some fucking. Yeah. And it's an hour and 29 minutes. Oh, shit. Yeah. And then there's like some guy like that. The... Kiefer Sutherland's in it, like a young Kiefer Sutherland's Ooh. in it. And he plays like a badass. Like he plays like a like the bully kind of. Mm, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll check it out one day. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna go into my. This is your final one, right? Yes, yeah. my sad on-screen death. Mm. Um, and to me, this is well, this is kind of like recent. Um, and that was the death of Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man in Avengers Endgame. Never saw it. You, I, we've talked about yeah, it. You don't really need whatever, to see yeah. like much of like if anything, watch like the last 20 minutes because like it's a really cool fight scene. 
and you get like everybody from like fucking 14 years of Marvel movies of like, yeah. hey, look, this is everybody we built up to. Right. Um, Even but, Alex from the fucking A Clockwork Orange is in it. Yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> They're in there fighting. Yeah, Godzilla's in the back. <laughs> but um, like the, the death of him was like very impactful to I know a lot of people. And it what makes it worse, like the sad death, is you have where the whole speech of like Thanos being like, oh, like, you know, I've won. Like, I am inevitable and like trying to snap his fingers and like realizing that the stones aren't on his glove. Mm. Um, and then it all goes like they tricked him. It, it's all on the the glove of Iron Man. And he says, I am Iron Man and snaps his fingers. And that was like the last line in the first movie where he announced to the world that he is Iron Man. Ah. And you have everybody coming back. And then the big hurt was the fact that like it's not just, oh, you like he's done, like it's over, he's dead. It's all of his loved ones, like Spider-Man coming up to him, who is his mentor for like the past two movies. You have Pepper Potts, who is his fiance at this point, who what just come. Yeah, right. It sounds like the, a ridiculous name. Yes, <laughs> but it's Potts. Gwyneth Paltrow. So, <laughs> um, but like they come up to him and it's like, oh, my God, like you did it, Tony. Like, wow, thank you so much. And then just seeing him gray and just like. Oh, it's like, yeah. oh, it, it's like yeah, you yeah. actually see like he's dead and you see him kind of like turn his head and it's like everybody just crying and like realizing like what he's done. Yeah. Making the ultimate sacrifice to yeah. like save the world. Um, That was always like the big one. And I know that hurts like a lot of people, like a yeah. lot of Marvel fans, a lot of comic book fans. So that was my on screen one. My off screen one is Daniel Plainview killing Eli in There Will Be Blood. <laughs> It is just so <laughs> ridiculous of just Daniel. I am the third <laughs> revelation. <laughs> I drink your milkshake. <laughs> just him just throwing the fucking bowling balls yeah. and like anything that he can grab. And and finally like getting behind there and you don't see. Because there is like that weird little like fucking box thing that I guess was back in the old time version of bowling. Where it's yeah, like right. you, you had to just go pick it up. We yeah. Didn't, we didn't have a machine to do it for us <laughs> right, at that time. Yeah. Um, but Eli's back behind there and you literally just see Daniel like just beating him with uh, a fucking Well, I would argue. So technically Eli's death is not off screen. It because, is though, Because he crawls. He, he ends up like crawling out from behind there and mm. Daniel chases him with the bowling pin and then hits him in the head. And you do see it. Well, for the most of it, though, <laughs> you don't see like he's behind it. And then and then he just starts fucking like beating his skull in. Mm. And that's, I guess, where you could say like he really kills him. Yeah. You don't actually see it. You, you just see what you were saying kind of similar with like Hannibal Lecter, where it's yeah. just Daniel's like grin and him just lifting the bowling pin up and yeah. down so for the most of it you yeah. don't see it yeah you get just enough where it's like okay you understand like this but to me that was kind of like this poetic thing where it's like you know it it's eli has been murdered in a way that like daniel would have wanted it where it's like you don't see it you don't <laughs> he would he would have wanted it yeah this he, <laughs> <laughs> he would have loved this don't death. don't don't feel bad he would have wanted it this like way. he felt so, <laughs> he felt so strongly that like eli was like less of him that you have a death where it's like he doesn't even get to see it like you don't even get the satisfaction of seeing the kill yeah it's like he's not worth it <laughs> to see the on-screen death of him <laughs> and that's where i was like man this is a fun one yeah 
it's a it's a great one man that that that's a really heavy uh though that that is like a really heavy like death though yeah. um and yeah i think that kind of the whole point of this episode was to kind of prove that i think off-screen deaths can kind of sort of sometimes if done well enough be more impactful than seeing it absolutely Right, you just gotta be able to do it right. Like, yeah, you gotta second... take your time and like kind of really like craft it mm-hmm. instead of just because anybody can kind of film a death yes. on screen, right? The second that you don't flush it out or like explain a reason why or give a good enough reason as to the death being off screen, then it falls short. Then it becomes something where it's like you might as well just shown it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely. I don't know. If I would say I have a preference between the two. Yeah. I do think, though, that, you know, on-screen deaths, I think, are way more prominent. Yes. Um, But I do think that maybe if you're making a movie and you have a character that dies, consider not showing their death. Mm-hmm. Consider having an off-screen death and, like, how would you do it? I'm a right? big fan of, like, if you can do it right, then I don't need to see the death. Yeah. Yeah, I will say though the Josh Brolin one is like, like I remember you were mad disappointed. Yeah, you were like, what? I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like yeah. we spent two hours with these people, you can't just show me it. <laughs> yeah, but I whatever, it. I get it. Yeah, but uh, that's why I did. That's why I didn't want to choose that one. Mm-hmm. But still, because I'd get pissed off again. Yeah, you'd be like, no, it's bullshit. <laughs> fuck yeah, fuck that. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So I'm glad that we had that conversation. I'm glad mm-hmm. that, that, that I think that that was a pretty good one. Um, I have a recommendation. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about cocaine. Ooh. Our Lord and Savior, Cthulhu. Um, no, no, no. I do. I, I'm not joking. I do want to talk about cocaine. Oh, okay. Um, not, <laughs> not me doing it. Not mm-hmm. anything that. But I want to talk about the cocaine cowboy himself, Pusha T, dropped a, an, an album called "It's Almost Dry." It's it is. So I don't know if you know who Pusha T is, really. I don't. But he is like the godfather of like cocaine rap mm. like that is literally for the most part all he talks about <laughs> oh okay there's a really fucking funny interview with him and pharrell and pharrell was like man i was in the studio and i'm helping like make a beat for him and i just had to stop and i was like pusha like can we just do something else? Can we talk about something else other than cocaine? And Push T's like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's my thing. Like, this is what I'm known for. So, like. If we talk about anything else, we lose the integrity <laughs> of my music. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, list- I I, I kind of fell off my hip-hop game for a little while. I kind of mm-hmm. just, like, stopped listening to rap for a while. Um, and then Kendrick's album dropped. And I was like, let me try to get back mm-hmm. into, like, hip-hop a little I bit. I heard it was good. Um, Kendrick's By you. album is very good. Yeah, By I, you. I think you told me. Yeah, I did. I liked it a lot. Um, but I wanted to recommend "It's Almost Dry" by Pusha T because it is—it's a real like lyrical. Like Pusha T is a type of rapper where the beats, while yes, they're good, the beats are not really the main thing. Like Pusha T always sounds like so close and so intimate to the mic, mm-hmm. and like he the the flows that he has like you can just hear like every single syllable like he takes his time when he's writing and he wants you to fucking hear every single word so like the way that he raps is not like super fast or mm-hmm. anything like that. He's not very showy. He's all about the bars, which is surprising because he's on cocaine. It, you, well, <laughs> you would expect it to be very fast, <laughs> and he's just like slow and methodical and murderous. And I think that he's one of like the best hip hop like guys out in in, in hip hop right now. Um, so I wanted to recommend "It's Almost Dry" by Pusha T. It's a really cool album, and I think it's worth a listen if you like hip hop. 
um, I have a, a movie that we're going to be doing next. Um, we've kind of spoke about it, and I've referenced it a few times, mm-hmm. and I've only watched it the one time. And I have a feeling that I'm going to rewatch it and like it a lot more this time around. Um, and that is the remake of Suspiria. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do it. I, I watched that. You I, watched um, it? Yeah, I because that was when we did the episode of like uh, favorite movie title scenes. Like that was the episode that made me think about that one okay. where it's like, oh, the right, 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 we're right, literally yeah. her just walking yeah. out of the train station yeah. and seeing Suspiria. Right. I was like, that's a clever way of doing yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah, that movie, uh, that movie is nuts and then it gets really nuts. And then I have questions. Yeah. So I definitely want to like unpack it a little bit. Cause have you seen the original? No, but I've, okay. I've seen like so many things about it where it's like the original is almost designed as like a Disney horror film. So the original is just drastically different. Yes. Um, and again, we'll, we're obviously going to unpack mm-hmm. it. Um, I just, I'll, I'll just say that we're going to, we're going to do it and I'm, I'm really excited to do it Yeah, because I have a feeling that I hope so anyway, that I'm going to really like it a lot more um, just because I was going in there with the expectation of this is a remake Mm -hmm. and that's not what it is. This is like, this is like kind of what people call LaCroix. Like (laughs) it's like, Oh, the drink. Yeah. So like (laughs) people, you know, like the whole meme was like LaCroix tastes like you're drinking it and then somebody's shouting at you the flavor. Like, like, <laughs> like strawberry. Like that's like what oh, you're supposed okay. to be feeling. I've never drank one, and so like, I don't know. That's kind of what I f- I feel like was kind of done with this movie, where it's like the essence of Suspiria, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna just take it in a completely different direction. Yeah. Um. And but like the overall of it's still like there, but not exactly. Yeah. Um. So I'm excited to do it. Um. And uh, there's some fucking shit in that movie to talk about. Mm-hmm. So. Look it up, find it, Susperia, the remake. We're going to do it. Zach, take us out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Now, Frank, roll the credits.